starting a business? This is the true Silicon Valley way. Hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's Adam Talks, how the smartest guy in the room in Silicon Valley was able to invest in a startup and pay no tax on all his gains. And I uh, wanted to chat about this um, type of structure because I don't think it gets enough focus, especially when entrepreneurs are looking uh, to start businesses. So I wanted to spend some time on this topic. I've talked about it over uh, in the past, over several years, but really want to focus in on it again, because as the year comes to a close, people start thinking about leaving their job after their bonus and maybe even starting a business. So wanted to just ingrain this solution in people's heads because once you start the business, it's generally too late to employ the Peter Thiel model of using a Roth IRA or Roth 401k to shelter all your gains from the sale of your business stock tax free. So just to quickly summarize what this podcast will be about, I'm going to explain how you can be your own Peter Thiel and shelter the sale of stock of a founder shares in a startup tax rate. Okay. It's actually not that hard to do, not expensive. You don't need to hire a team of lawyers or accountants. Uh, you can do it directly through IRA Financial or any you know, IRA custodian. Um, a couple elements you need to satisfy. And if you can satisfy those elements, you have the opportunity legally um, to shelter the gains from the sale of the stock tax rate. So that's what today's podcast is going to be. So here's the um, set of facts that we um, you know, all want to strive to achieve. And for the record, I wish I did this when I set up IRA Financial. I did not. Um, my IRA does not own this company. Uh, I wish <laughs> I, I got to talk to myself in the future because I would have tried to figure out a way how to do it. Although you'll see in my case, it probably was not going to be possible. Um, Peter Thiel, everyone knows who he is. He's one of the founders of PayPal, uh, Palantir, one of the first outside investors of Facebook, believed to have billions of dollars in a Roth IRA. No one's really sure. There was a ProPublica article in fall of 21, a couple of years ago, that um, someone who was a consultant to the IRS leaked all this info on, on Peter Thiel and other billionaires, um, you know, kind of a nasty um, I gotcha moment, which uh, ProPublica published and, and created all kinds of hysteria amongst, um, you know, some members of Congress about shutting down you know, this loophole, but it's actually a structure that's in the tax code that um, many, many, many more people than Peter Thiel have employed. I've helped a lot of people do this. Uh, I don't want to say thousands, but uh, many, many hundreds, but you need to fit in the right category. So here's Peter Thiel. In 1999, uh, he actually made less than $110,000, which was the Roth um, cutoff. Nowadays, in 2023 or 24, you can set up a Roth IRA, even if your income level is above a certain threshold, which is 228,000 in 23. And it's going to um, 241 in 24. It doesn't matter because you can always do what's called a backdoor Roth IRA, where you make an after-tax IRA contribution and then just convert it to Roth. So since 2010, there's no income limitations on Roth conversions. So what Mr. Thiel did um, is he understood that the Roth IRA is probably the best legal tax shelter out there. And Peter Thiel is a smart dude. He, he went to Stanford Law. He started a hedge fund. Um, and he just understood the um, benefits 
of using the tax code as a weapon and um, use it in a way to uh, maximize return. So he got wind of this Roth IRA, which was just created a couple years earlier, 1997 by Senator Roth of Delaware. So this was kind of a new phenomenon. He was way on it before a lot of people and said, okay, I think I could buy shares in my new startup called PayPal, which we all have heard and probably used, using a Roth IRA. And he actually used uh, you know, a company I know very well and, and the founder of that company actually, who's no longer in the space, um, you know, really helped Peter Thiel understand the powers of the Roth IRA. So what he did is he used about 1700 bucks to buy 1.7 million shares of PayPal. And I'll explain how he was able to do this uh, at par value for 0.001 cent per share, which is fair market value. Um, this was a startup. It had no intrinsic value, no assets, no goodwill, no inventory, right? It's just literally an idea on a napkin. And, you know, Elon Musk was involved and other David Sachs, there was other folks that were involved in the PayPal, but the Peter Thiel was the one that really focused on the tax strategy of using a Roth IRA. So he bought 1.7 million shares and a few years later, it was worth about $28 million. And how did he do this? Well, once he bought those shares for par, several years later, investors, third-party investors uh, wanted to be, buy into PayPal because they liked the technology and thought it was going to be worth a lot more, ended up going public. So they ended up buying his shares for a lot more than 0.001 cent per share, which he paid for it. And that's where all the gains, but instead of the gains going to Peter Thiel, they went to the Roth IRA, which owned the shares. And the tax advantage of using a Roth IRA is so long as you're over 59 and a half and the Roth's been open five years, it's all tax-free, right? So yes, Peter Thiel did have to wait till he was 59 and a half in five years to be able to pull that money out. But what he ended up doing is he took that money and then invested in Facebook and other ventures. So he started with 1700 bucks in a Roth IRA, and now he is believed to have believed to be at least in the billions, whether it's one or two or three billion. It's a lot of money. There's a B in front of it. And when there's a B in front of it, um, that's that's pretty impressive. So I've seen this strategy used by people that have made a hundred thousand, fifty thousand, a million, ten million, hundred million. It's all about the opportunity, and you need to satisfy the following elements. Number one, why it worked for Peter Thiel is twofold. Okay. Number one, he was buying less than 50% of the stock. Under 4975, which is the IRS prohibited transaction rules, you cannot invest in an entity that you're involved in that you'll own more than 50% in. So if you own more than 50% of PayPal, his Roth IRA would not be able to be an investor because it would trigger the prohibited transaction rules. So this Peter Thiel strategy or the founder stock Silicon Valley strategy, uh, whatever you want to call it, the first element is you need to be under a 50% shareholder. Okay. And when you add up the numbers, spouses and uh, lineal descendants, like parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law, you're attributed to them. So if you own 48%, your wife owns 3%, you're over the 50%, your IRA can't invest. Okay. So he had multiple investors and no one owned more than 50%. So he was okay. So if you are looking to start a business with just yourself, this strategy is not going to work. Now, I have another strategy called the ROBS that could work, and that's a topic for another day. But using the Roth IRA strategy, a Roth 401k strategy, that won't work. Why? Because if you own more than 50%, your Roth IRA can't be an investor. So you're going to need multiple uh, owners of this stock. Number two, you got to pay fair market value. 
Now that's not a problem when there's no intrinsic value in this business, right? You have no employees, no business, no goodwill, no inventory, no accounts receivable, nothing, right? It's an idea on a piece of paper, maybe you have a business plan or a deck and it's conceivable that the company is not worth more than a penny a share, or in this case, 0.001 cent per share. Um, how did he prove that? Well, everyone, all the founders bought in at that same value. So it's not like Peter Thiel's Roth IRA bought in at this value and, and you know, Elon Musk bought in at $5 a share, which that would be problematic because then you can make an argument or the IRS could at least that, um, hey, um, your Roth is getting some type of uh, discounted value or benefit, which um, is a conflict of interest or self-dealing. So those are the two most common items to remember. You got to own less than 50% and you got to pay fair value for the shares. So that's why I made the point that it really works best for founder shares. In contrast, let's say PayPal, Peter Thiel wants to do this two years later and PayPal's value is maybe 30 million or 20 million or hundred million. That's going to be tough to use your Roth IRA to buy any significant amount of shares, especially in Peter Thiel's case, he only had 1700 bucks. A lot, most of us don't have hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in a Roth. The advantage of using the strategy is buying and cheap, right? Whether it's real estate, stocks, private businesses, you make money on the buy, not the sell, right? If you buy cheap, you're going to make money no matter where you sell it. If you buy in the high, it's going to be hard to make money. So you want to buy in these founder shares right at the beginning, the first you know couple months of operations when there's really no value and you actually have substance and support for your valuation of you know penny a share. Okay, so remember that's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I'm going to keep doing these. Um, is you need to do this at the outset. You can't do this after the business started and there's intrinsic value. You could, I shouldn't say you can't, it just gets more expensive, right? Maybe in the first year, your company's still worth, you know, very little and that's fine. But in this Peter Thiel case, PayPal was worth you know, quite a bit in the first couple of years. So um, start early and um, make sure you're under 50% and pay fair market value. Third thing to remember is how's the structure set up? So Peter Thiel, PayPal is a C-corp, corporation. What a corporation is, is think of it as a big box. It boxes in your income. There's a corporate level tax, which in 2023 is 21%. Whereas an LLC, just think of it as a pass-through, like a funnel. There's no entity level tax. So all the income flows through to the owners. Well, if the IRA or 401k is the owner of uh, LLC and there's more than $1,000 in net income, there's a tax called unrelated business income that would tax the income at 37%, a maximum tax rate, once you exceed about 15K. Okay, whereas a corporation pays the 21%, but then any net earnings, retained net earnings can be dividend back to the IRA or 401k tax rate. So if you're going to employ the founder stock strategy, using a corporation is probably a little more tax efficient because how are you going to make your money? You're not going to make your money on just cash flow. You're going to make your money and juice up your Roth IRA by selling the stock. So in the case of an LLC, that's possible as well, assuming there's not a lot of debt. Um, you just may have UBIT on the cash flow of the business, which you may not care about because the LLC can give you a tax distribution to cover any um, net profits called phantom income when you're allocated profits without a corresponding distribution. But I just want to make that distinction that it's sometimes a little easier to do in a C-Corp, but you can still employ this founder stock, Silicon Valley, Peter Thiel model. If you do the LLC, you just need to 
um, be aware that you may pay UBIT tax on the LLC um, income. Although if you sell the LLC interest on an exit, that's capital gains and that would flow back, assuming no debt, to the IRA uh, or 401k without tax. So in both cases, it could work. The two big things to take away from this is you want to be thinking about this at the outset. You know, I get, I get a lot of calls. It's probably the most popular topic that I get. You know, I have a, an amazing team of, you know, 80 plus folks that um, are well-trained that can handle most of uh, you know, investment-related tax questions, especially on a structuring um, standpoint. But this is stuff that I like to get involved. So these questions generally come to me and they flow up to me, which is awesome. And it's usually people trying to structure found, founder stock, carried interest or profits interest into a Roth. The founder stock's structure is way simpler than doing the carried. It's much easier, less conflict because you're paying fair value. It's not for any performance of services. You don't have to get into this, hey, I'm getting this carry for management services. Can I allocate the Roth? You're not dealing with any of that risk. This is, hey, I'm paying fair value for the stock, the same as any other founder. I own less than 50%. That's it. The IRS looked at this, or at least the government looked at this in 2014 under the Government Accountability Office Report on Self-Directed IRAs. They basically said, hey, this is how it's done. We can't stop it. Um, but again, if you are an IRS agent, you should be looking for value and making sure they're under um or under over 50%. That's the threshold. Um, how does the IRS attack it? Well, the interesting thing is there's only a three-year statute of limitation. So the problem the IRS has with this stock, whether it's a carried interest or founder stock, is in most cases, it takes more than three years to hit a home run, right? And pay PayPal was a bit of an exception. It took him less than three years, about two, two to two and a half years to turn 1,700 bucks into 28 million. For most of us, if you invest in a startup, it takes more than three years to hit a home run. It's the way it is. So since the IRS only has three years, what are they going to attack, right? Let's say you bought the shares for a penny. Maybe after a year, two years, it's worth a little bit more, but you didn't have your exit, right? So the, the IRS, is even if they catch you, there's no penalty and no value that they're actually going to penalize, right? Generally, from an IRA standpoint, the transaction is deemed disqualified once it's made. So in Peter Thiel's case, they would likely be able to go after only the 1700 bucks he put in, not the 28 million. Number one, they wouldn't be able to go and attack him after three years, which is what their problem was. That's why they never attacked him, is the statute of limitation ran. Um, they could potentially go to six years, but you'd have to prove you know, negligence. It's much harder to get a six-year statute. The IRS um, generally doesn't push for that it's much harder to uh, get the um, sign off on a tax court or a federal court to go from three to six. So it's generally three. Um, and by the time they are aware, they see your 5498. So how do they know what your value of your IRA is? There's a 5498, which the custodian like IRA Financial sends the IRS each year. But generally, you know, Peter Thiel's case and most founders, the stock's going to be probably worth what you paid for it for the first few years, right? You know, there's no mark to market. It's privately held. Um, there's no, um, you know, exit, there's no, um, raise. So in those cases, you're going to put on the 5498 where you paid for it. So the IRS is looking at the 5498 and sees Peter Thiel, 1700 bucks in year one, 1700 bucks in year two, 1700 bucks in year three, and then maybe year four, 28 million. It's too late. They're done, right? Three years ran, they can't do anything about it. So they got their hands tied. They've tried to push 
in the Build Back Better bill in 21 that didn't go anywhere. They tried to push the three or six. It, it wasn't uh, successful. It was kind of a non-starter. So the IRS has a tough time challenging this stuff. Even if they do and nail you, the most they can generally go after is tax and penalty on the amount you invested. They can try to get penalties on the disqualified person um, of up to 100%, but it's awfully hard to do that, especially when technically there's no disqualified person here because you own less than 50%. Um, so it's a big challenge, not only to extract any tax revenue from the solution, to actually catch you within the three years. So the IRS is really facing an uphill climb uh, attacking these structures. They have not been successful. There's no tax court cases uh, I'm aware of, no rulings on this stuff. It's just kind of done in the background, um, but it's legal and it's out there. And there's um, you know a GAO report from 2014. The IRS is aware of this. If they wanted to stop it, they could. They have not been able to because they have no way of stopping it. Um, people are under 50%. They're paying fair value for the stock. How do you stop it? They don't have any type of legislation or rule that would prevent it since the tax code um, explicitly allows for these types of investments so long as it's not a self-dealing, not a conflict and no disqualified person. And there's no disqualified person here because there's no one that owns more than 50%. So without a disqualified person, there's no prohibited transaction. Now, can they argue self-dealing or conflict of interest? It's hard. Most founders are not putting in more than a couple grand in these deals. It's hard to make the argument that the company needed the money to survive. Right. Maybe if you put in 100 grand, maybe they can argue self-dealing, conflict of interest. But most founders are putting in less than 10K. Hard to argue that the company needed that money. It's easier to say, hey, it's a good investment. I paid fair value like all my other founders, all the other third party investors. I own less than 50 percent. Attack it. And the artists just can't. So I wanted to I'm going to stop here. I can go on for hours on this stuff. I'm probably going to continue doing more uh, content on it. It's really, really uh, cool solution. Um, you know, Peter Thiel gets most of the, um, I guess, some of the positive. I have some clients that love him and um, some members of Congress I, I know don't particularly love him. Um, whether, I, I don't know him, I never met him. I don't really um, have you know any opinion on him. Either way, all I can say is what he did was ingenious. It works. Um, he's smarter than all of us. And uh, we can all do it. We can all do the same strategy. You don't need a team of the best lawyers. You don't need to go to Stanford Law School. You don't need to work with top five accounting firm. You just need to start a company that hopefully will be successful. You need on less than 50%. Okay. And you need to pay value. Your IRA or Roth IRA needs to pay the same amount for the stock as or LLC interest as everyone else. If you can satisfy those elements, you could be your own Peter Thiel. So that's it for today. Thanks for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, definitely check out our YouTube channel. You can find this podcast uh, and video and thousands of other videos that we drop. Uh, over the last several years, um, we generally drop three to four videos a week. I do a bunch of YouTube lives. You can watch all our podcasts. It's all free. If you're into this type of uh, tax structure, and if you think it's cool, like I do, and um, interesting, um, then check it out. You'll learn a lot, I promise. And if you don't, then you know, whatever. You wasted 10 minutes of your life, but it's free. It's not like it costs you anything. And ultimately, uh, if you end up starting a business, you know, watching this podcast or listening to it may end up um, generating hopefully millions of dollars of tax-free wealth, which if it does, I don't want anything. Maybe just a nice bottle of wine, Pinot, nice red wine would be awesome. I'm not asking for anything else. I love when I hear my clients' uh, success stories. I spoke to a gentleman a few days ago that's been with us 11 years, and he set up a self-directed Roth IRA. A successful guy, smart guy, 
and he bought into uh, a company, a private company that just went public a couple of years ago. And he turned, I think it was like 30 grand into like, I think he said 17 million. So when I hear that stuff, like, I feel it's like my kids. I love it. Um, nothing makes me happier when people generate tax-free wealth and use tax code to their advantage. So that's why I became a tax lawyer. That's why I practiced tax law for almost nine years at some of the largest law firms in the world. And why I started this company, because it combines what I love, uh, the tax code and the retirement system, which is rigged in our favor. And uh, they both complement each other. And uh, when you link them both, you can do some amazing, amazing stuff and build some enormous legacy wealth for you and your family. So have a great, great day. Thanks for hanging out. And I hope to see everyone again uh, next week. Ciao.